Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Horns247.com, joined as always by the managing editor of Horns247.com, Taylor Estes. Taylor is in California at the moment, and I believe just swiped her dad's 1969 Miracle Mets World Series championship ring. Yeah, I may have to come back to Texas with me. I uh, I saw it on his uh, dresser. I was like, oh, that's a good prop for our show. So there it is right there. <laughs> Look at that. I mean, what a cool thing. And you've gotten to, you you went back for their, their big reunion. I did, yeah. In 2019, they had the 50-year reunion honoring that, um, their first World Series uh, winning team in their organization history. So that was a really neat thing. Um, They gave us all these like replica World Series rings to the families. And then actually, I think the fans got them too. But I've been telling my dad, I'm like, hey, uh, let's let's check that will to see uh, where the ring goes to the real one. (laughs) But (laughs) got to keep in the family. That's all I wanted with that one. (laughs) That is so cool. Yeah. Your dad scored the game winning run uh, in game four. Game four. Yeah, actually, it was uh, just, I think it was this past weekend would have been the 53rd anniversary of his one, his, uh, game winning run. And then also the world series win there. And now the Mets, you know, meted their way through postseason or to postseason this season and they're out now, but Hey, good memories from the past, right? That's all. Oh yeah. <laughs> so how about that? Listeners of the flagship podcast. Did you know? That uh, you're hanging around with greatness. Not me. Not me. <laughs> or near greatness. Yeah. Next of in. Of I just greatness. have to steal the greatness. That's what I've got to do. <laughs> first, yeah, first of kin. Anyway, kin <laughs> of greatness. Um, all right, Taylor. It is um, it is Texas Oklahoma State Week. We are previewing the Longhorns and the Cowboys and. After Texas's 24-21 win over Iowa State, in which Texas was able to run the football, which was such a big question going into that Iowa State game. 
And then all of a sudden there's Bijan Robinson, 28 carries, 135 yards, Roshan Johnson, uh, unbelievable, uh, 11 carries, 71 yards, and they were able to ground and pound against the Big 12's number one defense. And that was a huge test that we said needed to be cleared. And and so they cleared that hurdle in the in the Texas defense, which ran into a bit of a fire drill when Ryan Watts went out of the game at corner. Probably shouldn't have been uh, as much shuffling as there was, but there was. They shuffled um, Austin Jordan and Terrence Brooks and then ultimately moved Jade Barron, the nickel, out to corner and brought in Jalen Gilbo to play the nickel and, and settled down just in time. Uh, for Anthony Cook to cause that fumble, uh, and 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 then Texas run the ball to end the game with the ball in their hands. All huge moments. We also saw Quinn Ewers get off to his first rough start uh, in a game since Louisiana Monroe, the very first game he played in. Now Taylor Quinn Ewers goes on the road to make his first start in a true road game where he's not going to have fans there uh, like he had at the Cotton Bowl. He's going to have uh, booze and the paddles. Yeah. If any anyone's ever been to Boone Pickens Stadium in, in Stillwater, they have the, the padded walls and the students slap their paddles on those padded walls. They're right on top of you. They're right literally, on top, like literally right. That's not even an exaggeration. Yeah, they're like 10 feet behind you. Mm -hmm. um, if that less than that, it, I would say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is, this is where Texas has to show after losing four straight true road games. Um, this is where they have to show they can take their confidence, their maturity, their poise on the road and get it done against a team that played for the big 12 championship last year. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think you're going to learn a lot about Quinn Ewers, uh, where he is, um, I would say, from a composure, from a maturity standpoint this weekend. There's, you know, Chip, there's really not much reason to think he's this moment's going to be too big for him or he's going to be rattled where he, it will affect him throughout the game. Maybe, you know, there probably could be some adversity that will strike. But, I mean, he he's you know, everything is advertised as being this cool customer, you know, like as cool as the other side of the pillow, even when things are uh, um, going awry a little bit or if things aren't going in their, the Longhorns way. And that's going to definitely be needed when they take the field inside Boone Pickens Stadium because when you're right, I mean, when we say, so I, I've been on, um, when I used to shoot video, I'd be on the fields. And whenever I would go to Oklahoma State, I've, I've probably told this story on the flagship podcast before, but the swatting of the paddles is so loud that if you're even on like in the end zone, literally for days after I would wake up in the middle of the night and I was hearing the swat in my head still like days after it, because it's so loud. It's such just a, a daunting atmosphere. And when we're talking about the fans being right on top of you, I mean, the away team bench if you're a, if you're a media member and you want to walk to the other side of the you know the other end zone um, and vice versa and you do it on the away side you have to literally walk up into the stands in order to get around the team bench because there's literally no space between the team bench and where the fans are there so it's a it's a smaller you know stadium but it's it's 
easily, I would say, from at least my experience, um, being in various stadiums, one of the more uh, daunting and hostile environments um, for a true road game that Texas plays on an annual basis. So Quinn Ewers, that maturity, that cool customer, that calm demeanor that he has shown consistently and consistently, you know, in, in his very limited games that he has played at Texas, that is going to be crucial and definitely going to be a key to the game, I think, for Texas against Oklahoma State. Yeah. And I, I you know, it's funny. I asked Quinn Ewers about the do you like playing in hostile environments? Because one of his big breakout games in high school, his sophomore year was in a big road game and uh, and he killed it and announced himself as a, a top you know quarterback recruit and he said you know it's fun he said i like to say to my teammates let's you know even in high school let's go show them what we're all about and if you if you pick up on quinn ewers and you ask him about the other team, he'll always give them a compliment about what they do well. Mm -hmm. And he said of Oklahoma state, they have a, they have a bunch of veteran, um, you know, defensive linemen. He said, I'm excited. He always says, I'm excited at the end. Like if he says something nice about the opponent, he always says, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's really cool. I think this is a guy who, who loves the competition and, and, he was up against it against Iowa state. I mean, that three high safety look and as disciplined as Iowa state is, they, they drop linebackers to the safety level. They bring up safeties to the linebacker level. It's hard to know what you're looking at. And, and Quinn Ewers passed the test. And, and so now he, he heads off to Stillwater and Taylor, the line for this game has everybody wondering what's going on because Texas opened as a two and a half point favorite. And then it shot to six and a half points and kind of like the Iowa state line, which I was, was like, good gravy, 16 and a half point favorite against the best defense in the big 12. But uh, there's speculation about whether Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma state quarterback is fully healthy. He's had a shoulder injury, according to reports out of Stillwater. He's had a shoulder injury. His passing numbers have not been good the last two games, uh, a win, a come from behind win over Texas Tech, and then the 43-40 double overtime loss to TCU last week. He completed less than 50% uh, of his passes in both those games. He ran the ball exceptionally well. Uh, Double-digit carries for, you know, uh, four-plus yards per carry, two touchdowns, I think, on the ground in each of those games. And so there's questions about whether Spencer Sanders is fully healthy. The backup, by the way, is Gunner Gundy, son of Oklahoma um, State coach Mike Gundy. How about that? Gunner. Gunner. That's uh, but interesting. This is and and Mike Gundy said this week, look, we've got to run the football better because their running back, their lead running back, Dominic Richardson. Um, Oklahoma State's only averaging right at 3.4 yards per carry in their three Big 12 games against Baylor, um, Texas Tech, and TCU. If you take Spencer Sanders' runs out of that, they're only averaging 2.8 yards per carry, Taylor. That, that is not good uh, for Oklahoma State. It's great for Texas if they can make Oklahoma State one-dimensional and then really you know get after Spencer Sanders. 
uh, because he is dangerous with his legs. We know that. Yeah. And he, I feel like, you know, it'll be definitely something to watch his status as the, the week goes on. But the other thing with Spencer Sanders is if you, if he gets in a rhythm, he, he could be absolutely detrimental to a defense in their success. But if you get him out of his rhythm, he is very almost quick. A lot of times I feel like to make mistakes himself. And it's, you know, I always go back to the big 12 championship game in 2021. I mean, I think he set the record for the most interceptions thrown in a big 12 championship game in the history of the conference. And I mean, Oklahoma state obviously was still in that game, but Baylor was getting after Spencer Sanders. They were putting the pressure on and with the Oklahoma state, you know, running attack, not being you know, one of the major strengths I would say for this team minus Spencer Sanders legs, I feel like Texas, the Texas defense has got to show up early and just really try to rattle him because he has shown he could be one of two quarterbacks. He can be one that's going to just destroy a defense and put up, you know, video game like numbers, whether it's with his arm or his legs. And he's also shown to be at times, maybe a liability. And, and a lot of times that comes when he gets the pressure. So the fact that he's kind of ailing a little bit, um, having that it's a shoulder, right. But it's non-throwing shoulder, yeah, but then the Hundy knee you possibly would not give any details. He said, I'm not talking about injuries. I'm not gonna, you know, give up, give up that information. I've heard it's his throwing shoulder. Uh, I've heard it's his non-throwing shoulder, but it, it is a shoulder injury. Okay. Cause I, I thought I had heard something about like possibly a knee too. I, I'm not sure. Maybe there's misdirection, you know, mis uh, misinformation intentionally being put out there. So, you know, um, you don't really know what to expect when he takes the field, but obviously if Mike and he's not talking about injuries, that's for a reason. And so this is a prime opportunity, I think for the Texas defense to really instill their will early and then kind of take some of that pressure off of the Texas offense, off of Quinn Ewers, and kind of, you know, get that try as best as you can to not have their Oklahoma State home field advantage working for them, have it, you know, kind of silence it. And that's going to be crucial, you know, for the Texas defense too. Yeah, it was, I mean, Oklahoma State did a great job of taking the TCU crowd out of last week's game. They got up in that game 24 to 7. They led 30 to 16 um, in the third quarter. And then TCU, Max Duggan, they got hot. Quentin Johnston, the former Texas commit, uh, went nuts in that game. Uh, Double-digit catches, uh, you know, ridiculous. Uh, anyone who watched the game knows uh, that Quentin Johnston is, is in the groove. If, as we talk about the Texas defense, we mentioned um, Ryan Watts and the fact that he left the Iowa State game with 13 minutes left in the second quarter and Texas really kind of lost its bearings and its past defense. Uh, Ryan Watts, according to Steve Sarkeesian back at practice on Monday that he was looked at, you know, for a stinger. Um, and, you know, Sarkeesian said after the game, there was nothing structural. So they were hoping that he would be back. And then he said, knock on wood, nothing serious. So um, we'll see. We'll see if Ryan Watts is is all systems go. But wow, we've talked about it. We talked about it in our recap of the Texas-Iowa State game, how valuable the guy is. And Jade Barron, when I asked him on Monday, how valuable is Ryan Watts? He said, listen, that dude 
is so big and long and so fast, he shuts down the boundary side of the field by himself. And that's, that's, that's all you can ask. I mean, yeah, for sure. One thing when, when, um, you touched on this about talking about the, uh, you know, the, um, the defense and kind of the secondary having to shift a bit and, um, moving Jade Barron to corner and Jalen Gilbo coming in to fill that nickel thing. I think that the fact that Texas was able to do that shows how important it is to have players that can cross train at both or a lot of the positions in the secondary, because you're right. When, when Ryan Watts left that game, I mean, it was the, uh, you feel for Terrence Brooks and Austin Jordan a bit because those are true freshmen and they were just getting picked on. And it was like, Iowa state was not letting up. They were going to continue to throw to the side of the field that they were on. And so, and that was not a knock on them. I mean, these are literally true freshmen. I mean, these are guys that um, haven't gotten a ton of, um, playing time in the secondary. So I feel like that was the, um, that probably went over or un overlooked a little bit, um, coming out of that game that Texas kind of shifting, you know, players out of position into different positions was so crucial. And that goes to show that, you know, I feel like the players have such a better understanding of this defense this year than they did last year. Cause there's no way in heck that they would have been able to do that and have it not work against them. I would say in 2021, that being something that kind of helped them um, stay in the game, not give up a lot of, uh, you know, big touchdowns or anything like that. I think that that should probably have been addressed and mentioned a lot more than it did. But um, yeah, I mean, this is it's, the fact that Ryan Watts will sounds like maybe back is a uh, huge because, you know, with a quarterback like Spencer Sanders, if he gets going, he can pick you apart, you know, um, with his arm, too. And that that could be a, a long day in Boone Pickens Stadium if Ryan Watts weren't on the field, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it does sound like if Ryan Watts uh, couldn't play or was limited or had to leave the game, that they would move Jade Barron from nickel to corner and bring in Jalen Gilbo to play the nickel. Um, because Steve Sarkeesian, when I asked about Ryan Watts and his importance to the defense, Sarkeesian mentioned, I think it was really good to get Jade out there at corner. Um, so clearly he felt like that was the best option, uh, or at least that's the way he sounded, mm -hmm. um, you know, coming out of that Iowa State game because, um, and, he had he had sort of a message to Terrence Brooks and Austin Jordan that you got to see your impact, good and bad, mm -hmm. by playing. So prepare. And and that's that's something that we talk about all the time. Young players want to play, veteran players want to win. And the young players have to get in the film room and prepare like they're gonna be a starter that day just like a quarterback does and especially at corner because you're the last line of defense. And as Austin Jordan found out the hard way, uh, if the safety bites up on play action and you're one-on-one -on -one and you're, you know, giving up the inside of the field, you better get on your horse and be able to catch up. And, and obviously Austin Jordan couldn't on that 54 yard touchdown to Jalen Knoll uh, in the Iowa state game. So, 
you know, we're watching that closely because Texas has been so good at not giving up explosive passing plays all season until that Iowa State game. And then here comes Oklahoma State, who always has fast guys you've never heard of at receiver. Uh, sometimes you have, like Des Bryant. And, yeah. But, um, you know, they always have guys who make plays, and you're going to have to cover the whole field. So, this is going to be a, a good um, test if if Ryan Watts is not out there for Texas to show that they can adjust. And so, Taylor, one thing I want to get to before we get to love it or leave it. I mean, this is really, let's call it what it is. It's an elimination game, in my opinion, for the Big 12 title race. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Mike Gundy's saying he thinks that one team will get into that championship game with two conference losses. Um, And if that's the case, then it's not. But for Texas going on the road at Kansas state next week, they still have to, uh, you know, go to Kansas. They got Baylor. Let's, let's call it what it is. I mean, this is, this is a must win for Texas, especially with Oklahoma state's offense not having much of a running game right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I totally agree with that. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that obviously Texas does have the buy in between the Oklahoma State game and the K-State game. But prior to the season, Chip, like you and I talked about what games could present, you know, issues to Texas, whether it's expected or possibly, you know, one that comes out of nowhere. And we both thought, we both expected both Oklahoma State and Kansas State being a really, really problematic uh, scenario being set up for Texas, even though there is a bye week. I was doing a radio interview this morning on uh, Tuesday in a a station in Oklahoma City, and that bye week coming out of the Oklahoma State game is going to have to be probably one of the best bye weeks from a preparation standpoint for what lies ahead, even more so prior. I think than what you would have expected prior to the season. I thought the K-State game was going to be one that was going to be a challenge to start the month of November. I didn't necessarily think TCU would be sitting at a position where they're undefeated right now and potentially could have at most two losses when Texas plays them. Um, didn't expect Kansas to be anywhere as good as what they are. And then, you know, wrapping up the season with Baylor, the month of November is going to be a really tough one every single week. Um, and it starts against or at Kansas state, a place where Texas historically just has not played very well when they're on the road there in Bill Snyder family stadium. Um, that can really set the tone for what lies ahead from like conference, you know, contending for the conference title, um, standpoint for this Texas team, but it starts at Oklahoma state too. And it, it will be interesting to see how the conference race plays out. I feel like there's really a lot of parity in the big 12 this season. I mean, um, it kind of seemed that way entering it, but even more so now, and we're at the midway point um, just because teams, I think that we're not really expected to be playing at the level that they are kind of surprised a lot. And TCU is one of them. I mean, you know, a new first year head coach and Sonny Dykes, I still think Texas does have a, a substantial advantage in that matchup um, with Gary Patterson being on the Texas staff Obviously, that's a team that he it's full of his guys. You know, he knows the strengths, the weaknesses, where where you can get them, where they can get you. So that that definitely works in Texas advantage. But still, it doesn't mean that it's going to change the outcome of the game either. So there's a lot there's a lot of football to be played. 
And it's kind of interesting because I feel like after that Texas Tech game, I'm not sure that we would have thought a few weeks later that we'd be sitting here saying that Texas could contend for a Big 12 title because it was kind of one of those where it's like, you know, they were, what were they, two and two on the season and they had that loss in the way that they lost in a lot of games in 2021. It kind of was like, a, oh gosh, have they have they turned that corner? I think they have turned that corner. That's a you know a big deal. I think that shows the culture, the buy-in from the team, and that's going to have to continue probably more than it did in the beginning of the season with the the slate of games still on the schedule for Texas if they truly do want to contend for a Big Twelve title. Yeah, Blackjack Joey McGuire. Um, rolling the dice on fourth down over and over again. Jade Barron, um, you know, when I asked him about what what is this defense learned, what has this team learned since Texas Tech, he said, we just weren't prepared for them to go for it on fourth down as much as they did. Now we expect everybody to go for it on fourth down every time. Uh, and when they don't, it's, oh, okay. So that's, that's an important adjustment to make. And, um, and think about this, Taylor, the four game losing streak in, um, in true road games dates back to last year, but it includes that loss at Texas tech. And so, you know, one in five in true road games under Steve Sarkeesian, the one win was at TCU last year when Bijan Robinson ran for more than 200 yards and TCU proved to be one of the worst teams in the league and fired Gary Patterson. So this is a monumental step uh, for Texas because uh, this is a gauntlet they're in right now. Iowa State, number one defense. Oklahoma State played for the Big 12 title uh, last year. K-State doesn't have a conference loss yet. Um, and K-State will play TCU this week. K-State coming off a bye and getting TCU after that emotional win over Oklahoma State. So, you know, a little bit of, we'll see if Deuce Vaughn's healthy and how K-State handles that. And then, um, obviously, uh, Texas will play TCU at home in Austin on November 12th. So this is a four-game uh, gauntlet for the Longhorns, and uh, Oklahoma State's kind of in the middle or in the second half of their gauntlet. They had to go to Baylor. Uh, then they had to come from behind win at home against Texas tech. And then they had to go to TCU uh, lost a big lead. We'll see how they respond because that's gut wrenching stuff. Texas fans know about that. And the Texas Longhorns know about it. It can deflate you and you, you start to let that doubt creep in and, and it can change your season. So uh, fascinating to, um, you know, think about as Texas tries to put all those issues in their rearview mirror and show everyone that they're a, a tougher, more poised, more mature team that can handle uh, the hostile environment on the road, uh, especially in a tight ball game uh, like they were in last week, where they have a ten-point lead, lose it, fall behind, uh, have to win it in the in the final minutes, and they they pulled it off. Yeah, and it's one thing to think about too is four of the top five scoring offenses in the big 12 are left on Texas schedule, including, um, let me see. I just had the stats up number one, TCU still out there, Oklahoma state, Kansas, and Baylor. Those are the top half of the big 12 in scoring offense, um, with Baylor 
averaging the least amount of points at 37.8 points per game. So um, defense, defense has to travel. Defense needs to set the tone and defense needs to show up week in and week out because they they're going to be facing a really tough challenge and slate of games uh, moving forward here in Big 12 play chip. Well, and real quickly, Oklahoma State special teams among the best in the Big 12. Their field goal kicker, Tanner Brown, is 12 of 12 on the season. Uh, their punter, Tom Hutton, um, averages 44 yards a kick, and they have two home run threats in the return game, uh, led by Jaden Dixon, who has a kick return for a touchdown this season. Brennan Presley, equally dangerous on punt returns. So uh, Oklahoma State's a team that relies on its special teams to get hidden yards, hidden points. and um, Although Gundy said we got to stop kicking so many field goals, we're not we're not getting enough touchdowns uh, when we get into the red zone. So Texas, one of the best red zone defenses in the Big Twelve, that will need to continue for the Longhorns. All right, Taylor, you ready for some? Oklahoma State leader? also is the only team in the Big Twelve that has a kickoff return for a touchdown so far. Boom! You ready for some? Love it or leave it. I am. Before we get to Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned because we have much more preview of Texas and Oklahoma State coming up. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You ready for some love it or leave it? Yeah. All right. First one for you is love it or leave it. Even though it's a road game, Texas is catching Oklahoma State at the right time. Little preference for this after Oklahoma State has has had to fight through physical battles and wins at Baylor, home against Texas Tech, and then in last week's double OT loss at TCU. Love it or leave it. I mean, this is crazy to say because Oklahoma State played for the Big 12 title uh, a year ago and came from behind and beat Texas in Austin last year. But uh, let's be honest, a lot of those playmakers are gone. Jalen Warren, their running back, is gone. Their secondary that was so good um, is is gone. Um, and Oklahoma State has the worst pass defense in the Big 12, and they just got riddled. Uh, with huge plays in the passing game by TCU. So maybe there's some doubt. Uh, Spencer Sanders may not be 100%. And they just came out of that uh, battle with TCU. I'm going to love this, even though I think this is stuff that you know fans tend to grab onto more than uh, well-coached football teams. It just seems like Spencer Sanders is not throwing the football uh, the way that he can 
with these last two games being sub 50% uh, completion rate, we already talked about the fact that their running game is depleted. It's not, you know, it's 2.8 yards per carry when you take out Spencer Sanders uh, rushing yards. So I'm going to love this, even though I think this is going to be an absolute war into the fourth quarter, probably lead changes in the fourth quarter. But Taylor, I'm going to love this. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard not to love it, especially with the injury or potential injury status of um, Spencer Sanders being a factor entering this game. Um, I think on the flip side, I think that this game is coming at a good time for Texas as well, because, you know, after that OU game, they were getting all this hype, all this attention, and they were kind of punched in the mouth a little bit against Iowa State. They ended up winning that game, a game that I don't think that they would have won, not just last year, but honestly for a few years in this in this Texas program. And that's, um, you know, a win is a win is a win. I know there's things that people can nitpick, but I feel like that should have been a kind of come to Jesus game for Texas. And it came at the right time because you don't want that game to come on the road at Oklahoma State, um, especially with the road games that Texas still does have on the schedule. Cause I feel like that could be something that could creep into the locker room. Doubt could creep in on if they are ever going to be able to compete in road games, you know, like um, just because of the record they've had. So I think, I do think that Texas is catching Oklahoma state at the right time. I, one thing is, you know, I would say that because Oklahoma state has such a, a, a pretty mature and um, veteran offense led with Spencer Sanders or offensive line is full of upperclassmen. Um, there may be a kind of let's let's prove ourselves that we still are a con- title contender and let's beat this Texas team that you know has the same record as us in, in conference play. I think that that could also work in their favor. But the injury, you know, potential injury status of Spencer Sanders, the run game not being um, really a huge uh, strength right now, and then I think that that definitely. Um, adds to Texas or is working in Texas favor, I would say. And um, as long as they can continue, um, you know, where they left off against Iowa State, you know, kind of grinding out a win, making the plays when it matters most. And um, I think that it's going to come on the defense too. you know, getting after Spencer Sanders early and often. I do think that the defense has done a better job of that this season. So all that kind of adds up to you know, a lot more working in Texas favor. Now I'm not sitting here saying that Oklahoma state's going to roll over and just take it, you know, or anything like that. I mean, Texas is going to have to bring their a game, but this is a better situation. I would say for the longhorns than I probably would have expected it to be prior to the start of the season against his Oklahoma state team. So yeah, I'm going to, um, I'm going to love this too. Okay. Number two. Second one is Love it or leave it. Despite Quinn Ewer's rough start last week against Iowa State, Texas has nothing to worry about with Ewer's in his first true road start. Oh, my gosh. I'm losing my mind. Um, I don't know why I'm giving this kid the benefit of the doubt, but um, he just seems to thrive uh, in, you know, these big stage, uh, hostile environments after what we saw him do against Oklahoma. And that was an Oklahoma defense that was trying to find itself. Oklahoma state's pass defense 
is worse than Oklahoma's. Um, that's that's a bad recipe for the Cowboys when Quinn Ewers is the one dialing up the passes because this guy processes pretty well for a guy making his first ever uh, true road start. So um, something tells me that Quinn Ewers, after hearing about his rough start against Iowa State, is going to be uh, pretty locked in for this game. Um, Jordan Whittington, Xavier Worthy, uh, JT Sanders are, are a lot for a, for a pass defense ranked 126th of 131 in FBS to handle. So Taylor, I'm going to love this again against my better judgment, (laughs) but, uh, how about you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard for me not to love it. Um, and I, I wouldn't. I don't think that you're crazy to say that. I mean, Quinn Ewers hasn't really shown anything that would make you think that some some environment is going to be too much for him. I mean, think about the way he started. I know it was a home game, but still, like, think about the way he started against Alabama. I mean, he was so effective in that first quarter, and um, you know, I, I think you know, obviously the game, you know, in the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma not the same Oklahoma team of years past, but still that environment in the first half was pretty, it's a, it's a daunting environment still for any first time quarterback starting in that game. And he just was a, as calm as can be, you know, I mean, I would say he was maybe a little less calm against Iowa state, which is funny a little bit since it was a home game, but I almost, I, I agree with you in thinking that I think he, he is kind of chomping at the bit when he gets to be in a position where he's in a, a tough environment and um, it seems like, at least in his high school career, early in college, that it kind of fuels him a little bit. And so there's not really much reason to think it's he's not going to uh, to have, you know, um, or he's, he's going to like crumble or something like that in this environment. Now, that's not saying any knock on Oklahoma State. Again, that's it's a tough environment to play in. But I feel like the the way that Quinn Ewers kind of keeps his composure, you know, um, handles himself, doesn't let, you know, get too high, keep too low, anything like that. I think that, um, I think that's crucial. And I think that's a reason why you shouldn't worry. I want to say nothing to worry about, but I wouldn't be too concerned with, uh, Quinn Ewers in his true road start. Um, there's obviously some things, you know, if things go, um, poorly, I'm not saying he's going to have a perfect game or something. He throws an interception or something like that, but like right now he hasn't really shown any type of um, situations where it's like, oh, he's going to continue to make those same mistakes when he does actually make them in game. He seems to be, as Steve Sarkeesian said, he's very coachable in game. He corrects the mistakes he does make in game. And so I think that, um, I think that's going to play well on the road and gives, it should alleviate some of the worry that maybe some Texas fans may have with him being in his first true road start against a, a talented Oklahoma state team. Yeah, I'm more concerned about Quinn Ewers at K-State, which also can play that three-high safety look that Iowa State does uh, and play it really well. I'm more concerned about Quinn Ewers in that game than I am in this game. All right, love it or leave it, number three. All right, final one is love it or leave it. With B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson running the ball effectively last week against the Big 12's number one run defense in Iowa State, Texas will be able to run against anyone. I don't know if they'll be able to run against anyone. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this, but this 
was a huge step forward, I think, for this offensive line and for uh, the running backs and their chemistry with the offensive line because you you run the ball like Texas did against Iowa State, who plays that, you know, three three eight um, cloud three, or whatever five three yeah uh, defense as well as anyone i just think that i just think that texas now you know from a confidence standpoint is just going to keep getting better and better with their running game and and so i expect texas to be able to run the ball i don't know if it's 200 yards this week but definitely 150 175 um they're going to need to ground out this win once they uh, are in position, either late or early, um, you know, if they're fortunate enough to get up 31-17 like they were at Texas Tech, they couldn't run the ball to, to end that game. They need to be able to run the ball to end any game that they're in a situation like that again. So um, I, I just think that that victory over Iowa State and the way uh, B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who are sore, I mean, they're beat up after that game. Uh, but they got to turn around and do it again, Taylor, and they got to do it on the road. Um, so I'm going to leave this, but I, I do think that that, um, that that Iowa State game is going to give them confidence when they're in a tight situation that they'll be able to run it to end to end games or to take control of games. How about you? Um, I'm kind of torn on this one, honestly. Uh <sighs> And maybe maybe I'll eat my words or something later in this, but it's hard for me not to think that they they can run against anyone. Honestly, I, I'm I'm in I'm kind of compelled to to love this because that Iowa State you know rush defense was the best in the or in uh, the conference and one of the top in the country too. And the fact that Texas combined had two running backs combined for over 200 yards rushing on the ground was so critical. And, you know, mind you, that's, that's when the Texas passing game wasn't extremely um, effective a lot. I mean, I, I'm not saying that Quinn Ewers was bad at it or anything, but still, I mean, Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson rushed for more yards than Quinn Ewers threw for that game. Even though neither one of them saw the end zone, Quinn Ewers did have three passing touchdowns. Still, I mean, that to me, um, if, as long as there's, they're healthy and as long as the offensive line remains healthy, intact and playing, um, continuing to progress and grow with each game and get better with each game and experience, it's going to be really hard for me to to deny that Texas could run the ball against anyone between Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson. You know, Steve Sarkeesian's talked about maybe Bijan Robinson isn't getting enough national attention, um, especially because you know when teams line up against them, they're looking for number five. They're they're you know doing everything they can to stop the run, and he still is rushing for you know, a hundred yards. I think it's five games with over a hundred yards, five straight games uh, with over a hundred yards right. rushing. I think six total games. I think the only game he didn't rush for a hundred yards was Alabama, I believe. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, but then, you know, on the flip side also, Roshan Johnson doesn't get anywhere near the respect or attention, I think too, because I mean, he still finished that game against Iowa state with over 70 yards rushing. You know, I think it was 6.5 yards per carry, you know, that one-two punch between Bijan Robinson and Roshan, Roshan Johnson is really special. And as long as the offensive line continues to progress um, week in and week out in a way that I feel like they have, probably more so than I would have given or expected them to, um, just because it's so young. It's such a young offensive line. There's not a single upperclassman 
starter on the offensive line. I feel like they're playing better than than um, I would have imagined them to prior to the start of the season. So all of that seems to be adding up to Texas being able to effectively run the ball against um, probably any any team in the country. I, I really do believe that right now. Um, so I'm going to love. I'm going to disagree with you there, and I'm going to I'm going to love this. I think that um, this is a special running attack that Texas has. The offensive line's gelling better than I would have imagined prior to the season, and so um, there's no reason for me to doubt that their their ability to run the ball against any elite run defense, especially after what they did against Iowa State, which is one of the best in the country, too. Yeah. Yeah, Baylor and Kansas State also among the top run defenses in the Big 12. Um, still on the schedule for Texas. Uh, that Kansas State game, I'm just going to give you all a little uh, hint. That's the game that really, really concerns me. But first things first, Oklahoma State, 2.30, ABC on Saturday in Stillwater. Should be great. Taylor and I will be um, right back here on the flagship podcast after the game to give you our thoughts. So make sure that you're you're dialed in and also make sure that you check out our flagship podcast interview uh, that came out on Monday with Sam Mays, the former All-American offensive lineman uh, at Oklahoma State. Hint, you'll, you'll want to listen because he's pretty impressed with Texas. Yeah, the so. things he said about Texas, I think the fans that are questioning Texas after that close win over Iowa State definitely need to listen to what Sam Mays, a former All-American offensive lineman, went to Oklahoma State, so it's not some Texas fan that's putting out these uh, these takes or anything like that. This is a guy that has every reason not to like Texas, and he is just so impressed with what he has seen, especially um, on offense with uh, Quinn Ewers, the whole offense, everything. So, yes, absolutely. If you, if you have doubts in your mind about the game against Iowa State or questioning the performance or the defense giving up that many points to, you know, not one of the top scoring offenses in the conference, just listen to what Sam said because he he was pretty nails, I think, with his takes there. Yeah, and he told me as we were signing off that his favorite player in the Big 12 is Kelvin Banks, the freshman left tackle at Texas. He said this guy is going to be – uh, three and done and the highest offensive draft pick that Texas has had in a decade. So um, yeah. There so check go. out that interview with Sam Mays at uh, Horns 24-7, uh, all of our podcast platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts, the flagship podcast interview, and make sure you're checking out uh, the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers and uh, State of Recruiting with uh, Mike Roach and Hudson Standish, our teammates at Horns 24-7. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Until then, stay safe and keep the faith. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.